give them a, a great online experience, whether that's online scheduling, the mobile app we have, virtual visits, and, and some pretty robust integration we've done into the patient portal. All of those things where we make it look nice and easy and clear for patients and providers, and we do kind of all the hard work un under the cover. Welcome back to The Break Room. I am your host, Alexis Murray, and thank you for listening. Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple. As consumers, we are very familiar with these names. Now these tech juggernauts are looking to change how we experience healthcare as patients. Technology companies are looking to change the way healthcare is delivered and experienced, and there are many different healthcare vendors promising to assist providers and hospitals who are looking to remain successful during this digital transformation. With so many healthcare companies promising to provide physicians the silver bullet, how do you sift through the noise to build the right platform for your practice? Today, we're joined by Chris Voigt, previous Chief Technology Officer, to discuss all of this. He has more than 14 years experience in the healthcare interoperability field, including leading architecture, design and construction of public and private health information exchanges. Chris earned his Bachelor of Science in Computer and Information Systems from the University of Delaware. So I'd like to start with electronic health records. The Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health Act, or HITECH, was passed in 2009, and this included incentives for the use of electronic health record systems to help promote EHR use. Ten years after this legislation, what have we learned about electronic health records, and how have they improved, and what are they still missing? Yeah, that's a great question. And that, that was a long time ago, right? 2009, if I remember the uptake of electronic record systems in those days was abysmally small. Um, really not enough providers were using computers or leveraging technology to provide care, um, which some may argue that there's pros and cons, but I'm a believer once we start to realize the importance of sharing of data or um, analyzing data to figure out what uh, helps us achieve the best outcomes for our patients, like you have to admit, it's got to be digitized data. We can't just keep staying on paper, right? So, the shift that happened with with high tech and and the, the 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 money that was made available by the government was huge for the industry. So that pushed everybody terribly fast, probably before they were ready uh, to uh, to start to use electronic records. But you know what we saw is a real maturation of uh, where providers are to the point where we are today where some things which back then were impossible, right? Uh, sharing of records being a great example. There were no standards. Doctors just didn't have the right type of technology or it was antiquated technology uh, and just couldn't share data. But today that's that's very rarely the, the main problem. Um, we're on, a, here at Privia, we're on an electronic medical record system from Athena Health. And data sharing is like second nature for us because they're in the cloud, they've got advanced technology. We, uh, we can send and receive and get the data securely that, that we need to take care of our patients. So I would say it's been a, a very positive shift. Um, you know, a, a, as with anybody, some, some doctors embrace it, some don't. It's been a challenge. But, you know, the, the end of the day, there's, there's no doubt it was the right direction to take. And EHRs are a huge part of a practice. Many physicians cite this technology as a leading cause for their burnout. So what are different aspects of this technology that physicians to, should look for to ensure that they are choosing a vendor that's actually going to help their practice and not hurt their ability to care for their patients? That, that's also a good question. So we want doctors to use uh, EHRs, but how do they pick one? 
There's probably a, a lot of factors to it. Um, burnout is, is a big concern. Security is a big concern. Um, usability and, and applicability to their specialty. Well, you know, all of these are factors providers should be thinking of. Um, I also think that they're thinking about where the market is today. If you go back to 2009, when when high tech just came out and the meaningful use dollars were made available, boy, I want to say there are more than 300 different EMR systems that were meaningful use certified and that were in the marketplace. There's been a lot of consolidation, a lot of weeding out, even uh, just recently with the um, acquisition and merger of um, the GE Centricity product and the Athena Health platform. Um, even further consolidation of some of the largest players in the market. So providers who are choosing EMR have have a lot to to, to think about and look for. If it, if it were up to me, I would um, only want a cloud based platform. You know, doctors don't need to become expert at servers and computers and worry about security every day. Leave that to the professionals who know how to do it. Um, the the other thing that that we benefit from with a cloud based platform is as updates are needed. Laws and regulations change, or every year there's different ways to, you know, to do coding and pair contract changes and what have you. Um, those cloud-based platforms are well positioned to get updates frequently um, and not have to bother the, the, the doctor with it. So uh, that's a really important part. On the burnout piece, it, it is important um, to, to be cognizant of that. So was the software designed with the physician in mind and kind of have an eye for all of the work that a doctor has to do besides clicking, you know, and checking boxes and typing. So, so some platforms do that better than others. Some platforms, it's easier to add on, you know, maybe voice recognition technology, or maybe they have a partner for uh, scribing or virtual scribing that should take some of that burden off. So probably a couple other things like that to look for in, a, in an EMR. So many practices are looking to integrate technology like patient portals, telehealth and virtual scribes in their day-to-day to enhance patient care and meet their patients' needs. And consumers, frankly, are looking for this technology in their patient experience. So what suggestions would you give to providers who are looking to kind of cut through this really saturated market to find the right option for their patients? If you give them a checklist, you know, what checklist should they have to start this process with so many vendors that they could choose from? Mm -hmm. So you threw out a couple different types of things. Many of those were patient-focused. So um, here at Privia, we say we like to meet patients where they are, meet doctors where they are. So on the patient side, what makes it easy for that patient to interact with the physician? Um, We look at things that, that would be as simple as starting with online scheduling. Is it quick and easy for a patient to get an appointment with their doctor? Um... You know, we're all used to using apps like OpenTable to find where we go for dinner on Friday night. Um, and, and here in healthcare, like I myself, uh, I've yet to go to my chiropractor because my chiropractor doesn't have online scheduling. And so we trade messages. I, I sent her messages in her portal to say I wanted to come in. I got a phone call back and then I called them back and they were at lunch. And, you know, like I just don't have time to do this. So here I'm sitting hunched over my back hurts. Um, but, but for a physician, you want to think about how do you make it easy for the patient to find you and get access to, to your services? Um, another way to meet a patient where they are literally is uh, some way to conduct a virtual visit. So, so many of the things we can do today are online, very efficient to, uh, to get access to services. And that, that applies to medicine too, for certain things, not all things. 
um, but but if you think uh, we're we're sitting here in the in the D.C. area, if I were to try to go to a doctor, well, it starts with me getting my car out of the parking garage. There's five or ten minutes, um, and then just swimming through traffic for who knows up to an hour, depending on what time of day it is. So I could burn maybe half a day trying to get to a doctor's appointment. Um, and if I had to do that um, frequently, that would become a burden on me, on my job, on my family. It's not right. How could a doctor provide virtual services so we can connect and, and meet online and take care of as much as we can without physical presence? Um, we see a lot of doctors pushing the envelope there and truly a great way of meeting patients where they are. Um, you mentioned some other, you know, patient portal these days is a given. It's a required meaningful use component. Um, but finding a valuable online experience for that patient, because they might be trying to access services or find information after hours. A great example, can the patient send a message and get in contact with the provider or his on-call staff? Really important in a patient portal. Is it easy for them to get and download their data, right? There's a lot of conversation today, um, even at the most recent hymns, about um, at the conference they, they spoke about how patients ought to be able to get their data and do what they want with it. Um, Apple has a big push around health kit and the ability for patients to, to, to aggregate and manage their own records, right? You need, you need good technology to do that. Probably a good patient portal helps facilitate that. So a lot of things to be thinking through. And I think if you sit, put yourself in the seat of, of a patient and think through what you would want, I think those, the, the right solutions, the right mix of tools will, will, will come to mind. So it's often said that technology moves faster than ethics. So there's a huge demand for virtual care, but if you're conducting a telehealth visit with a patient who you are not very familiar with, there are ethical questions on the quality of care that can be provided. Technology helps with increasing speed and access, which is great for improving the quality of patient care, but implementing it can be costly. There's an increase in overhead, which could lead to an increase in patient costs, and also it can expose patients to potential security breaches. So how should providers create ethical boundaries as they pursue the best technology options for their practice and for their patients? Yeah, look, we serve a very important need, um, and we always want to be pushing the boundaries, but we never want to overstep things like certainly ethics, um, security, compliance, and regulatory issues. We always have to keep those things in mind. So, and that takes a lot of effort to watch all of that. Part of that rests on the provider's shoulders, some on, on you know, vendor's shoulders to help steer the provider in the right direction. Um, you mentioned virtual visits. That is certainly uh, an area where we do push the boundaries. Um, we have to be very careful of different regulations, different payer contracts um, under which we're seeing patients through a virtual visit and make sure we adhere to um, the, those guidelines or regulations. For example, there's sometimes there's a, depending on the contract, you might be able to see a patient in one location but not another location. Or, you know, obviously the physician would have to be licensed in the state that they're seeing the, the patient in. And sometimes that virtual technology could appear to cross uh, state boundaries. So you got to be aware of all that. Um, and, and look, it's a fact where I don't think you can replace every uh, healthcare interaction with the computer and something that's like FaceTime. But there are certain things because we find um, that, that our providers who use virtual visit technology here at Privia, where we've done over 5,000 virtual visits, uh, we, we find those doctors doing certain follow-up type activities. So following up on um, different medications and, and prescriptions to make sure that the patient is still uh, compliant and getting, getting what they need. 
Um, we found the, some acute needs where the patient is doing quick follow-up on, uh, I think, sinusitis is, is one of the top 10 uh, conditions we, we find um, on, on the virtual transactions. So as long as you're seeing patients for those reasons and that they're an established patient, you can't do a virtual visit with the new patient because you, you need to see them and you know, to, to treat them as a new patient, which is more involved than, than a quick follow-up. You know, as long as you're using it for the right, the right settings, the right consultations, it's, it's very successful. Um, but I, I, you def, definitely do bring up important points on security and, and ethics. So building off of that, um, do you have any recommendations for private practices on steps they should take to build a secure network that sufficiently protects their patients' um, health information? Yeah, when it comes to security, you want to find an expert team to help you, right? Um, n- nobody can do it all. And, and in fact, I was just reading an article this past weekend about how cyber attacks from certain countries is on the increase, right? Because of the, the political uh, situation we're in. So there are professionals, you know, government-funded professionals out there trying to hack systems in the U.S. So to me, a, a secure system is, um, is, is not one running in, in, in an office or even in a, in a data center hosting a, a, a small number of physicians. I, again, turn to some of the largest players in the country to provide that service. Um, in fact, here at Privia, like, we use Google for our email and, and our information sharing uh, within our company, you know, Google probably employs more top of the industry security experts than the number of employees Privia has, right? I can't beat that, so that's why I rely on them. I don't run my own email server. And we do the same thing with uh, with the EMR technology. Um, with, with Athena, I know it's a, it's been developed and written as a secure environment, but they also have a team of dozens of people who just look at security 24-7, which I can't afford to do. So I want to, you know, put that trust in the experts who, who have that capability. So you spoke a little bit about Google. There are a lot of technology companies that are quickly moving into the healthcare space, pitching their costs to innovate and change the healthcare system. How do you think their increased presence in the healthcare space will affect our industry? Is there anything providers should look out for as we see all these tech companies kind of moving into the healthcare space? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. That, that triggers both the optimist in me and the pessimist in me, where um, these players and, and others have, have come into healthcare um, since I've been doing healthcare, which is a long time, saying, oh, we're going to solve this problem, right? So there's uh, what Microsoft Health Vault was going to solve this problem back, uh, I don't know, ten, 10 or more years ago. Even Google had Google Health uh, that came and went. And here the players are at the table again. Google has a lot going on. Amazon does. Apple is, is pushing the boundaries with, with patient data, uh, with, with patient control data, I should clarify. And, um, you know, what, what they do is they, do, they bring a lot of capital, which is helpful. They bring incredible technical capability. Um, and they really um, innovate and, and push the boundaries to, to get the, those guys who have been doing healthcare a, a long time to, to not rest on their laurels. Like, who's not looking at natural language processing, machine learning, and AI right now? Because Amazon and Google have walked in and said, we can do this. It's easy. And I think actually on, on, on a technology that, um, but just by its nature, uh, machine learning and AI is, requires vast data sets to, to make it work well. 
they're, they're coming to the table with that. Mm-hmm. So who can recognize a voice and pull out a list of problems or medications or you know help to automatically code a chart? Well, Google can because, well, they've got all our data anyway. But um, you know, through all the training that they have with Alexa and all the other tools that they've learned from, uh, you know, great capabilities to come in. Are we going to be sitting at this table five years from now and be like, oh, I'm I'm so glad these large companies came to healthcare. They solved all our problems. I don't know. You know, it might flip back to the optimist, the, the pessimist mode, and think, well, they'll probably not all be here. But I, I do think that they have some um, really valuable learnings, especially when it comes to th- thinking of how we address. Um, physician burnout mm-hmm. and the administrivia that occurs, you know, that the, the communicating with your voice and, and just, you know, kind of vocally uh, charting and, and, and going through a record that way and transcribing it and checking all the boxes behind the scenes. I think it actually is a great opportunity. So we'll, we'll see. We'll come back. We'll, <laughs> we'll make a date for five years from now. <laughs> so you've been with Privia for some years. You've seen the full development of our technology suite. So what steps have you taken as our technology lead to create a platform that securely supports independent physicians' needs? Yeah, you know, I think we've done a lot. We've been building a platform that is uh, at least seven years old to help. um, Originally, it it was intended to help patients meet their health and wellness goals. We added to that, you know, the, the flavor I mentioned earlier of meeting providers where they're at, meeting patients where they're at which to our technology platform uh, results in a lot of integration. Um, How do we make it easy for a physician to interact with our platform? Well, that generally means integrating it into their workflow, into the EMR, so they're not jumping to other tools. Um, Very much the same for patients. Um, Give them a a great online experience, whether that's online scheduling, the mobile app we have, virtual visits, um, and, and some pretty robust integration we've done into the patient portal. You know, all of those things where we make it look nice and easy and clear for uh, patients and providers, and we do kind of all the hard work under the cover. Always looking out for for security. That's always top of mind for us and and have a great team and some great technology minding that. We also, uh, the, the, the platform... We want it to be easy to use and, and integrate in the workflow, but we, we want it to scale. And, and at scale, we want to be taking work off of our doctor's shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier, like, yeah, we might think someday that, you know, voice recognition and NLP or machine learning or something is going to make a, a doctor's job easier. But, but at Privia in our platform, we found ways that we can take literally take tasks off of the doctor's plate or even off of a, a, the patient's plate. One example of how we've done that is with asking patients, uh, as an example, if they've gotten their flu shot. A conversation that's very common within a practice uh, takes, you know, that, that could take five seconds or, or more. But we've taken that and automated that at scale. So now I can ask patients securely at, at their leisure when they get a secure message from Privia, did you get your flu shot? And they answer it, and we put that in the record, um, often closing the gap. Or we could find that there might be a follow-on workflow if they said, no, I didn't get a flu shot. Well, how do we engage that patient to get a flu shot? So using that as an example, and I could go on a very long time, but I won't, you know, building out capabilities that take that work out of the practice, take it off the patient's shoulders, and, and make their workflow clean and simple as we can. Uh, That's really why we do what we do. That's the core of our DNA all the time. I want to thank Chris for joining us today and thank you for listening in. 
To learn more information about Privia and how we're securing the future for independent providers, please check us out at priviahealth.com. <laughs>